It is so good to have you with us. And uh, we hope that you enjoy, if you're a guest, a visitor with us, uh, we hope that you enjoy every part. People that welcomed you, people that have tried to find you a place to sit and will take care of you all the way and even love you on the way out. We hope that we have showed you the best we can. We are glad you're here. Uh, we are just glad that you are part of this group today, part of the family of God, if you are. And uh, we hope that Easter and, and today is a wonderful day for you and your whole family. I know everybody's been picking at me about my, my attire, but you know this is Easter, so so you know I, I it's photo day, and I have to I have to uh, uh, do what you got to do. You know, it's like you just got everybody just got to man up. You got to do what you got to do. And so uh, so if somebody says, "Man, he's dressed awful cute," it's like don't come back next week. He'll be in he'll, he'll be in a sweatshirt or something. So so just understand that uh, the day is, is is I hope you have a wonderful day. And as I was walking through what I wanted to say, we've kind of walked through our series. If you have a chance to go online, uh, you can catch the last three weeks of sermons, and it's kind of led us up. We've, we've kind of talked uh, on our way to resurrection. And on the way to resurrection, there are specific things that have to be overcome. You can't just decide one day that I'm just, just going to have this resurrected life. And three of the main things that we have to fight against in our journey is fear, it's doubt, and it's loss. Those things discourage us. Those things bother us. They, they, they stress us out. They cause us to back up. They cause us to say no. And so today we're going to wrap it all up with a story and try to show it to you as what it looks like in real life. What, what it looks like in real time. There's a question that's asked all the time, and it's a, it's a unique question, and it's, what do I need to do? That sounds so simple. But you know, most people do not have the courage to ask, what do I need to do? Most of the time, we'll stand back when we're cooking something and probably need to ask, and we're like, I'll figure it out. Sometimes when we're doing a job, and I'll figure it out. I don't need to ask anybody. We might have even been in a car sometime driving somewhere and the person in the passenger seat may have told us, do you need to stop and ask somebody? No, no, I, I'll figure it out. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot to be able to just say, I need help. I need somebody to explain this to me. I need somebody to teach this to me. And what we're going to deal with today deals with that. In my life, this was always being, I, I, I love sports. And so golf was one of those weird sports. Golf is one of the only sports that you actually ask for criticism. Because when you go out and all four guys are playing, it's a consistent thing. I've never played golf, and this has not been the conversation all the way through. After they hit the ball, what am I doing wrong? What, what do I need to, what, what am I not doing? What am I... And I'm thinking, there's no other area of your life where you look at the person and ask them, what am I doing wrong? In sports growing up, basketball, football, all these different things that I played, that, that was always the thing. It was like, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to improve? How, how do I throw a football, Dad? How, how, do I, how do I hold it? The finger on the end, you hold it in the middle, do you do? Everything about anything is always asking and asking the question of what do I need to do? 
It's amazing to me the most important thing in our very lives, our walk with God, our salvation, our finally reaching eternity and being in heaven. It seems like that's an area where we ask less than any other time, hey, what do I need to do? It's amazing how many people in this room today will be sitting here and will not ask. They'll just try to figure it out. They'll they'll just try to play like I've got it together, even if they don't. They'll try to go through all the motions and hope that nobody sees through that they're really broken or something's not right. It takes a lot of courage to be able to look and say, what's wrong with me? What's, What's going on with me? Will you help me? And of all the Bible stories that we have, there's one listed in all three, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In the Synoptic Gospels, there's one that's listed in all of them, and it's because it's such an important story. There's some in different books that aren't listed. But in this story, it is listed in every single one, and it is in detail in every single time, because there's such a moment in this story that's so important, because the question that every person wants to ask God, every person wants to know the right answer to, is asked in this story. Go with me to Mark 10. We're going to pick up at verse 17 through verse 31. And here is the story of this rich young ruler. It's always ironic how we come up with this story, the rich young ruler, because it never calls him that. I said it's in all three. In one area, he's rich. In another one, it says he's young. In the other area, he's a ruler. So they just put it all together and said, he's a rich young ruler. It's really not listed that way, but we just kind of take it. In fact, when you have your Bibles and they're breaking it into categories, you'll see, rich young ruler. Because he just wants to help you in the process of understanding this story. But let's look at what happens to this man. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem... A man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked, Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher... The man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. Looking at the young man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard for to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. 
but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem to be least important now will be the greatest then. Through these three weeks, we've, we discovered one thing for sure, that the kingdom of God works really weird compared to the way the world works. When Jesus comes along, what He says is things like this. If you want to be a ruler, then you also got to be last. If, if you really want to win, then you got to really be good at losing. If you want to learn how to live, then you got to know how to die. If you want to be first, then you must be last. If you want to gain and get ahead, then you must be willing to turn something loose. And this teaching is so different than anything else they had heard in their time. This is why his teaching was so, so chaotic and so provocative all throughout Galilee and Jerusalem that everywhere he went, people wanted to hear him talk and, and, and just hear what he's saying. And Jesus at this moment is headed to Jerusalem. He is headed for his crucifixion. He is on his journey for the last time to go toward. And as he's journeying, here comes this one man. On this road to Jerusalem, there are two men that bump into each other, that run into each other. And they have two distinct, different ways of seeing life. There is Jesus, whom we celebrate today, who died on a cross, who rose from the dead, all of this. But there's another man, and this story is so important because he illustrates every one of us in this journey we call life. We call him this rich young ruler. Let's look at him. Let's look at this man who has come up to Jesus and has talked to him. In our modern world, this, this would be someone that would be a, a, a Facebook fanatic. He would, he would be TikTok famous. He would be everything he did, whatever clothes he wore, people would want to be copying. He was at his time everything that anyone would want to be. That's why Peter later would say, then who can be saved if that guy right there that's got it together, that's got all the, I mean, he's doing everything. If that guy can't get into heaven, then we don't stand a chance. But that's the way it seems. Because when you see him, notice about this man first, he's in power. He's the one that calls the shots. We describe him as a civil leader. The people know him in the community. He's got clout. When he goes into somewhere, people know him. People, if he, if he goes into a city meeting, maybe he's one of the aldermans on the, on, on the city council. Maybe he's, he's somebody that's well known. When he walks into the restaurants, people are like, oh, that's so-and-so. There's no place that he doesn't go that people are like, hey, come sit over here. 
Hey, I need to talk to you about what's been going on in town. He's important. He's successful. He's made it. He's everything that we watch on TV and wish we'd get up and do. He he has arrived. He's a blue blood. He comes from good stock. Every girl in town hopes that he'll call her. Hoping he'll be the one that marries me. He's got everything that you want. There's nothing about him that's short. He's used to having what he wants. He doesn't go into any store and see anything that he can't say, box that up. I think I'll buy that. He's the person when you go over to his house and you go in his garage and you say, you got one of those? Oh, I got two of them. He's successful. You mean you got one of those cars? Yeah. I got the limited edition. There's nothing he's ever seen or ever wanted or ever would like to have had that he hasn't got his hands on. Nothing has been too hard for him. He's used to having what he likes. Buying what he wants. Calling his own shots. I go when I want to go. I show up when I want to show up. I leave when I want to leave. I'm my own boss. I'm the captain of my own ship. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm in control. Look at the person beside you and say, it's an awesome thing to be in control. To feel like you can drink what you want to drink and it's going to be okay. You can do what you want to do. You can smoke something and it says on there it's going to kill you. Not me. I'm in control. It's an awesome thing to be in control. You can drive 100 miles an hour when you could kill somebody. Not me. I'm in control. I can drink while I do it. I'm in control. I can lie to who I want to lie to and I can do what I want to do and sleep with who I want to. Don't worry about me. I'm in control. It's an awesome thing to feel like you got life by the neck and nobody knows but you and nobody can catch you. Nobody will ever find out about you. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. It's an awesome thing to feel like you're in control. But it's a totally different thing to be in control, but at the same time know and feel like something's missing in my life. I've got everything I could ever want. Anything I ever want, I could go get it right now. I could marry the prettiest girl. I could do what I want to do. But I'm still lacking something. There's still something that's not right. There's still something that's that's just eating me up on the inside. So this is where our story comes. This young man who has all of this runs up to Jesus and says, I need Good teacher, to ask you something. Jesus quickly shuts him down and changes his whole mode because he's used to bragging on you and getting what he wants. He's used to saying, oh, that's such a pretty dress. And you blushing and saying something nice about him. But when he says something about Jesus and says, oh, good teacher... We know he hasn't been listening to Jesus' teaching because if he had, if he'd have heard the Sermon on the Mount, he would know exactly the answer to his problem. 
If he had already heard Jesus' teachings just a short time. In fact, what's beautiful about this part of the story is that this story takes place right after Jesus talks to his disciples and the crowds about being like little children. He's just preached the sermon on be like a little child. If he had been around and actually heard his teaching, he would have an answer. But he's just trying to say the right thing. He's trying to be nice. You know how, you know how boys do when they want to come date your girl. Hey, Mr. Lot. I'm like, you don't mean that. You got no more respect for me. You're just trying to get out the door. Jesus sees through it and says, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. God is the only one that's good. And so it changes his his demeanor, and he has to come straight to the question. And just like somebody who can't quite get it right, he looks at Jesus and he says, tell me, what do I need to do? To get better, not at golf, not at, not at a sport, not at, not at driving, not at chariot racing. What do I need to do to get better at feeling comfortable about eternal life? Because I'm trying to find the right preacher to tell me I'm okay. I'm trying to find the right church to tell me it's okay. I'm trying to find the right thing, but but the more I keep living life, the more it keeps gnawing at me, something's missing. Something in my life is not right. I've been going to church since I was a kid. But something isn't right. And it takes a lot of courage to ask that question. Just the very words themselves, what, means I don't know. Must means it's imperative that I start now. I means I'm not looking for someone else to do it. I'm willing to do it myself. Do. It means I'll put action to it. He's very blunt. It's it's one of the most powerful questions that's ever asked in the Bible to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, knowing his mindset and knowing the way he thinks, decides not to abruptly go at him. He could have. Jesus could have, on our behalf, he could have easily said, now you know what you did. Jesus could have started naming things and and cut him to ribbons. But he doesn't do that. Jesus simply says, okay, if this is the way you're going to think, then that's the way we're going to have the conversation. What must I do? Then I'll tell you some things you must do. And he goes into the list. But notice Jesus, who knows the Ten Commandments, does not go through the first five commandments. He jumps straight into the second Ten Commandments. And he says of the second Ten Commandments, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, In other words, things that you would do against someone else, don't do this. Honor your father and mother, care for the poor, 
And he just quickly, like everybody would, oh, I've been doing that ever since I was a kid. I've been doing that all of my life. And then Jesus looks at him and says, if you would be perfect, then there's only one thing you're lacking. Go and sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. And come and follow me. And not only will you have treasure in heaven, but you'll have what you're looking for. That's an incredible moment when God looks at us, every one of us. When God speaks to us and and He says, let me give you what you're really talking about. When the young man says in verse 22 that he was sorrowful, let me explain to you what riches does. And riches does not mean money. When you think I'm preaching about that today, somebody says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not rich, so I ain't got to worry about today. No. It just means that there is something in my life and something that I have and something that I'm holding on to that is creating within my life a love more than my love for God. There's something that I'm holding on to that, that just won't let me go. There, there's something that I'm holding on to. First thing is this, whenever we have riches, it fosters a false sense of independence in our life. This rich young man, his problem was first, is that there was a false sense that he was actually in charge. Everything that I just said to you, that he was in control, he was running the show, he was, he was doing all of these things, and it was him. Go with me to Revelations 3 and verse 17, here's what it says. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. See, when God looks at us, He isn't looking at our golf clubs. He isn't looking at our cars. He isn't looking at the size of our houses. He isn't looking at all the things we look at and think, Oh, I've got it made. Hey, I, I've, I've got it made. I, I'm, I can, I'm a self-made man. His problem was he was stuck in a no man's land. This rich young man was stuck in a place where he was too religious to enjoy sin, but he was too in sinful to enjoy church. Isn't that a bad place to be? I'm too godly to have a good time sinning, so that's why I hide it. But I'm too sinful to go to church because Pastor Lot always brings up my stuff. So I'm stuck always in between these two places, in between wanting to be happy at some place, but I can't be happy in the world because all I've learned about God and all I've heard about God and I know I need to change my life, it causes me now to say I ain't happy there. But at the same time, if I get what I want, there's something in me that reminds me this isn't who you are, and it hauls me back. 
That's why some of you, Easter is a great and bad moment. Because it's usually the only time you come to church. And you endure it for one time so you can go back into your world because you don't feel comfortable in either place. There's something that you're holding on to and there's something that you're loving and something that you're craving that you're like, I'm just not ready to deal with that. Listen. He's got enough to be informed. He's got enough to have the information. But he's got too little bit to be transformed. He don't have enough to change his life. Some of the most messed up people you'll ever meet can quote you more scriptures than nobody. I can carry you to the bar and find you more people and quote more scriptures than me. Got more messed up lives, more. What are you saying, pastor? It is not in all your information. This rich young man looked at Jesus and he said to him, look, from my youth, I have been doing this. I have been taught not to do this. I've been a tither. I've been faithful. I've been doing it. But that's not my problem. Something about this is not, I did what the priest told me to do. I've done what everybody else has told me to do. See, we make it a problem sometimes in our lives when we do that. Number two is simply this. It's not only... Does it foster a false independence where you think to yourself, I've got it and I'm in control and I can do what I want to do? But number two, wealth blinds us. Something that we have, and when I say wealth, something that we feel secure in, whether it's friends, whether it's money, whether it's uh, whether it's a lifestyle, whether it's just our attitude, our wealth binds us to the things of this earth. The more I grow in it, the more I hang on to it, the more I, the more I desire to have it. And the more it's killing me. Let me show it to you in scripture. Go with me to Matthew 6 and 21. Matthew 6 and 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be. Wherever your treasure... Well, how does it become my treasure, Brother Lot? Well, it becomes a thought. We studied this a while back. It first starts out as a thought. Well, I wonder what that would be. I wonder if I did that. I wonder what would happen if that... I wonder... And that thought then turns into your imaginations. And you don't kill the thought, but you keep imagining what it would be like. And you keep thinking about it. And guess what? You find TV shows that match up with what you're imagining. Yeah. If you've got a mindset built on on lust and you've got a mindset built on on uh uh sleeping around and doing things, let me tell you something. You're not going to be watching Gilligan's Island. Let me help you out a little bit. You're going to be watching shows that mature rated. You're going to be watching shows plus 16. You're going to be watching shows. Let me tell you why. Because the enemy's smart enough to know that you're dumb enough to think that you can keep imagining all of these things and keep imagining all of these things and not one day act on them. But the enemy understands if I can get you to think about it and then imagine it, eventually it becomes actions and actions eventually become who you say within your brain you are. 
So some of you sitting in here today, well, that's just how I am. No, that's not how you are. That's not what you were 12 years ago. That's not what you were 15 years ago. But I can tell you how you got there. A crazy thought went through your brain, and you didn't stop it. Yep, I'll tell you how you got where you are. You had a thought went through your mind, and when it went through your mind, you started imagining. Oh, uh, everybody hates me. Oh, nobody loves me. Oh, and you just kept imagining and imagining all the craziness in your head until one day you started acting that way. And everybody's like, what has got into you? Why are you acting that way? Hey, baby, why are you acting that way? Hey, honey, why are you acting that way? Hey, kiddo, what's going on with you? Oh, nothing's going on with me. Why? Because I've imagined, I already know what you're thinking. I already know know what you're doing. I know how you're acting. And before long, my actions reveal. And now it becomes very hard because my brain keeps telling me that's who I am. That's why we have this gender problem right now. Don't even get me started. I'm not one of those that says, well, let me tell you about sin. And then I don't tell you about sin. I'll tell you about sin. The gender problem happens because somebody had a child. And their responsibility was to tell that child what it was. You're a boy. You're a girl. I don't know. Let me just go ahead and help you. You are. (laughs) It's not complicated. You are. Well, I don't feel, don't matter what you feel. Feeling's going to change every time you eat a different kind of ice cream. I don't really care what you feel. I'm just telling you the way God made you. That's what you is. Well, I think, oh, there's your problem. You need to quit that thinking. You're too young to do any thinking. You ain't but three years old. You ain't ready to think. I'll tell you when to get in the car. I'll tell you what clothes you're going to wear. I'll tell you what type of diapers we're going to buy. I'm not asking your opinion. And as you grow up and you get a little smarter, we'll start working toward you thinking. But first, we've got to get you thinking right. And because if I don't stop it at fault... If I let a two-year-old start, a two-year-old, you know what two-year-olds can think? You know what a five-year-old can come up with in their brain? My mom would just tell me all that. Tim, quit thinking like that. Tim, quit thinking like that. And I used to think, what? That's crazy thing. But she's right. Tim, quit thinking like that. What do you mean? Just, just quit. Catch your thought. Think about something else. Go read a book. But don't sit there and meditate on that because if you meditate on that, eventually it becomes imaginations and your imaginations become actions. And then when you get into actions, then you're full-blown into sin. Now you start to think that's who you are. This young ruler had the same problem. He started off, life was easy. Life is, you ought to be able to buy your way. You ought to be able to earn your way. You ought to be able, I've been able to earn my way everywhere I've went. If I want a certain type of something to eat, I can earn that. I can pay for that. I can get that. So when I come to Jesus, I want to know how I can get what I want. But wealth blinds us and it binds us to these things on the earth. Number three, wealth or the things that you love tends to make us selfish. 
Oh, ain't that surprising? So you can't love something when you already love something. You can't come in and say, I love God. But you know before tomorrow you're already loving on something else. And you're willing to sacrifice God. You're willing to let somebody say something negative about your father. He couldn't really care for others or God. He did not have the capacity to care. Listen, we do wrong when we let people believe they can follow God on their terms. Listen to me very carefully. We don't make the rules in the kingdom of God. I get so tired of this grace stuff and this grace. And don't get me wrong. It's the only way you get saved is by grace. You can't earn it. But I get so tired that this grace just, just, just is going to let me do and act and speak and act. There's nothing in Scripture that describes your relationship with God as you being a belligerent idiot and Him being a Savior that puts up with you all the time. There is nowhere in Scripture. It may get more people packed into your building, but you're going to have more messed up people in your building and then your church is going to look more like the world. That's why you have these praise teams running off with different things. And some of them going from gospel music one day and singing rap music with some pervert the next day. This is the why you see this. is because if you don't understand, it's not your kingdom. You're not in charge. You're not in control. You just got invited. You just got a welcoming. You just got said, if you want to come out of what you're in, then come on and be part of this. If you're lost, you can get found. If you're broken, you can get bound together. If you're undone, I can fix it. But listen, it ain't about me just putting up with your undone, your messed up, your unfixed. It's about me coming into your life and correcting and fixing. And this rich young ruler struggles with this. You can't buy in without selling out. We've made, and I hate to say this, we've made being a child of God just a common thing. As though anybody can do it. Well, it's easy, ain't it, Brother Lot? No, it's not. Let me go ahead and fix your theology. No, it's not. That's why you can say you are and still be messed up in the head. That's why you can say you are and your life still be in shambles. Because it takes more than just saying that you are. It takes more than just, just something common. That our presence is somehow a blessing to God. That somehow we're blessing God by being here this morning. That somehow we've done God something good. As though we've made God a little bit better by what we wore and what we acted like. It's not ours. We're not ruling anything. We're not in control of anything. That's what Jesus tells him. That's why when the rich young man understands what Jesus says and he finally grasps what he's telling him, he's saying, listen to me, son. What you've got is a burden and you've got a weight and you need to unload that weight. And the only way to unload that weight is to love God more than you love the thing. It's the only way to break it. No, 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 God, God forgive me and I'll just keep... No, no, you don't understand, son. What you've got is you've got a burden, a weight, and you're toting it all the time. And even though you're rich, 
And even though you got it all together, you still are never happy. Because that thing's always pulling on you. That thing's always bothering you. It's, it's just a weight. And you're like, well, I guess that's, you know, I just part of who I am. I just have to. No, no. And you know that's not who you're supposed to be. It's not how you're supposed to live. It's not the life that you were called to. It's not what you hear preached. It's not. And it's like, how can I hear that preaching about being free and delivered? And I'm walking around with this thing all the time. And it gets tiring. And, and it's, brother Lot, I'm telling you, I don't know if I'll be at church this Sunday. The kids are a little sick and you know and just being a Christian just it's so I know it's tiring trying to live for God it's tiring trying to live up to expectation it's tiring trying to carry your burden and it's not a burden you were called to carry nobody cares about your image nobody cares about what people say about you downtown It only matters what you know when you walk into your house and all of a sudden it hits you. And you realize this is my life. Hmm. Verse 22. Here's what it says. And I love this scripture. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad. For he had many. And that seems so contrary. I got all these friends and I got new golf clubs and I got a brand new car and I got a four bedroom house and 4,000 square foot and I got all this and you're telling me I'm sad? You're miserable. You're miserable. Wish I could tell y'all most of the people that you think are so hot have to come to my office to me hold them together. Keep their marriages from breaking up. You'd be amazed how many people you don't realize day after day they. And all they have to do is ask the question, what do I need to do? But they don't. You shake their hand, they're going, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Whew, life's a little tough, brother, but I'm all right. I'm going to make it. I'm like, I'm not sure. Let me tell you about him, and maybe this sounds a little bit like you. He leaves sorrowful. It turns out that in reality, this young man was pitifully poor. He went home that day, and I hope you don't do this today. He went home that day to riches. To all his stuff. He went home that day to all his stuff. Haunted by what he threw away. He didn't go away happy. He went away sorrowful. He had a full bank account but an empty soul. <laughs> he had great investments but a bankrupt heart. He knew the price of everything. He could tell you how much a stake was down at Lee's. He could tell you everything, the price of everything, but he knew the value of nothing. 
He can tell you the price of the car. He can tell you the price of the house. He can tell you how much it costs to build it. But he couldn't tell you what its value was. Because from that moment on, everything that once had value, he realized, I'm going to be miserable living in this. And I'm going to be miserable riding in that. And I'm going to be miserable over here dating that. And if I get married to that, I'm going to be miserable. And if I'm at so-and-so's party, I'm going to be miserable. And that's a horrible place to live when you don't have enough God to be happy but you don't have enough world to be happy and you're stuck in between. It gets heavy. It gets tiring. Point two. There's the other man. There's two men. There's this man that goes home and he's this way. I guess I'll go back to the house. And he walks away sorrowful, toting that burden. There's the other man that is there. His name is Jesus. Now Jesus is a unique character because from the foundation of the earth, and the world that ever existed, he's asked his father, what do you need me to do? And for the foundation of the earth, the father said, I want you to die for fallen man. I want you to be poor so they can be rich. I want you to be broken so that they can be put together. I want you to take on their lostness so they can be found in righteousness. I want you to endure so that they don't have to. I want you to become what they are so that they can become what you are. And I need you to do that. I need you to lose to win. I need you to, 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 to lose everything so that you can gain everything. I need you to show them what I mean by that. What it is, because that rich young man that day couldn't grasp in his mind. What do you mean lose everything? What do you mean go sell all my stuff? That's ridiculous. Do you know how much time it took me to work and make and, and, and earn all of that? It took a lifetime to earn all. And you want me to just give it away? You just want me to sell it? You want me to just follow you? You want me to just... This other man says, yes. See, the other man was willing to be broken. The other man was willing to lose. The other man, and the disciples look at this and they're like, this is crazy. I mean, I don't, I don't want you to think my theology is... is it's crazy. I want you to think, it's crazy. Because even the guys that's been following him for three years, Peter walks up to him and says, oh, 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 can I have a talk with you? Because Jesus says, listen, it's, it's utterly impossible for a rich person to come into heaven unless God does something miraculous. Only God. And we know that's what he's saying. You can't earn your way. You can't buy your way. It's by the grace of God. Only by God can you get in. And no rich person can buy it. No, you can't earn it. You can't live good enough. You can't do good enough. You can't act good enough. None of that buys you anything. 
And Peter comes up to him and says, Lord, then who in the world is going to be able to get in? He said, where man, it's impossible. But with God, it's possible. And Jesus didn't explain to them right then. But Peter asked the next question. He says, Lord, we've left everything for you. Peter said, we've left our fishing nets. We've left everything we have for you. We've left everything we've got. Left our families behind. We, we followed you at the risk of death all the time. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter. And he's talking to all of them. He said, there's not one of you in this room, not one of you on this road with me, that will not give up houses or mothers or fathers or wives or children, or property. For the gospel's sake, to share the good news of the gospel, to, to be what you're called to be, there's not one of you that won't do it. And I love this promise. He said that in this lifetime, I will not give you a hundred times in mothers, in fathers, in brothers, in sisters. That sounds strange. How in the world is God going to give me? So if I, if I serve God, I'm going to get a hundred times more of what I got. No, no, no. You probably won't have any of it. Let me explain to you how that, that works. I don't have a lot. I, I, I'm, I'm never going to retire rich if I retire. And my family's working hard to prevent that. It's their life's mission. And they are good at what they do. So I understand this is probably a lifetime occupation, Tim. This is probably the way it's going to be. So, what, Tim, you're not getting rich. You're, you're not, you don't have anything. I mean, you, you, you got no great wealth. You got, you're in Forest, Mississippi. You, you, and yet at the same time, whenever somebody says that, I just grin ear to ear. You got more brothers than you know what to do with. I got brothers I can ride bikes with, brothers I can go fishing with. I got brothers I can go camping with. I got brothers all over the state. I got brothers all over the nation. I got more brothers than I can shake a stick at. I got more sisters in Christ. I got more family in Christ. When my mom and dad were still pastoring and I didn't see my mom but maybe once or twice a year and because we were always working on Sunday and they were working on Sunday. Do you know I had elderly ladies throughout my church, Sister Walker and others through the years, and even now, ladies who take care of me that text me every night, Miss Helen Knight, who texts me every night and says those same words, Pastor Lot, I love you, I'm praying for you. And I think to myself, I am loaded with moms all over the place. I got people all up in my life. You ain't got no property. Oh, I got more property. I got people that own property on beaches. I got people that own property on lakes. I got people that own campers. And anything I ever want, the last thing they ever tell me is, if you need anything or you just need to get away or you just need to exit for a while, you just give me a call and I'll give you the keys and you stay as long as you... Let me tell you something. I don't have to own anything. I just have to understand. God said, if you will pursue me, then I will open up the windows of heaven and I will make sure you are taken care of see the rich young man said no 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 I, I don't trust anybody else I'll take care of my stuff I'll buy my own stuff I'll get my own stuff I'll do it. well then you gotta tote it all the time 
Because remember now, Jesus told him, give what you got to the poor and come follow me. Now, he just told Jesus he, he obeyed all the commandments. And the first, the ones that Jesus listed to him was about your fellow man. So if somebody loves somebody so much and, and you were asked, hey, give what you got to the poor and help feed them, you would think somebody with a benevolent heart would say, if that's what you want me to do. But what Jesus did was call upon the thing that he loved. He says, Peter, in your life, this is what you'll get. Oh, and in death, eternal life. Let me see if I can show it to you one more way. What do I do with that thing that's so heavy? What do I do with that thing for a lot? Because you told me I got to get rid of it. You told, how do I do it? It's simple. It's real simple. See, the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross and the shame for the joy that was set before Him. Jesus said, the more you break me, the more you make me. The more you break me, the greater I become. Because in the kingdom of God, it's those that are willing to lose that gain. And Jesus says, I was bruised. I was pierced. They hung me on a cross. They shamed me. They spit on me. They ridiculed. They pounded me to pulver. But yet what they didn't realize is by doing that, God says, now that invokes me. Now I have to give you a name that's above every name. That's why the world can't understand it. Because 2,000 years later, you would think, he's the greatest loser there ever was. He came to start a religious organization. Got himself killed. Never wrote a book. Never wrote a song. Never started any church, never built a building. He was the most miserable loser the world has ever seen. And 2,000 years later, more books have been written about him and for him. More songs have been written for him and by him. Oh, don't get me started. If I can just lose a little bit, I can win a little bit. If I can just learn to be a happy loser, then I can learn to be a happy winner. Because in my losing, God says, you're winning, Tim, but I'm dying, Lord. Yes, but as I'm dying day by day, this spirit man is getting stronger every single step of the way. The world can't stand it. That rich young man toted his block away. Jesus went to Jerusalem and let them destroy His. Which one would you want to be? Jesus left this world and said, I'll return. 
with a smile. The rich young ruler, he walked away sorrowful because he had so much in his bank account. He had so much stuff. Had so many opportunities. He had plan A and plan B and plan C still. I'm, I'm not limited. He tells Peter, Peter, in this world you will hundred times and in the world to come eternal life. Well, Brother Lott, that's good, ain't it? What can I expect? Look at the person beside you and tell them, pain. See, I done lost you. You was all excited. Well, let me just give you a list. Jesus died on a cross. We just saw pictures of what that seemingly looked like. Let me give it to you in another way. How about Simon Peter? He was hung upside down and killed. How about Andrew? He was hung on what they call Andrew's cross. Andrew's cross is an X. But they didn't nail him to the cross. Andrew was tied. And Andrew hung there for several days in midair. And historians said that as he died of, of dehydration and died, he preached the entire time until he had no more breath left in him. What, 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 can, I, what can I look for, Brother Lot? Well, James was beheaded by Herod. Philip was hung. Bartholomew was filleted with knives in India. Matthew, the Bible, or we historians say, was martyred. Thomas was killed with a spear. James was crucified. How about my Thaddeus? He was pierced through with arrows. And Simon, Simon the Zealot, was crucified, preaching right alongside Thaddeus. That's what you got to look forward to. When you walk out of here today and you say, I want to follow the Lord. And the Lord says, let's get after it. Lord, I just want to follow. No, 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 no. There's a reason why I got to do that, Tim. There's a reason why I have to do this, and here's why. Go with me in your Bibles to Matthew 11, 28 through 29. I'm going to show you something. I'm through. Matthew 11, 28 through 29. Here's what it says. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you are and heavy. See, he was saying the same thing to this young man. Come unto me, all you that are and I'm trying to be a good person, Brother Lot. I know you are. You just need to quit trying. I'm trying to do the right thing, Brother Lot. I know it. You just need to quit trying. I want to quit stuff. I know. You just need to give it to God. God doesn't need you to give it up and then come to Him. He just needs you to come to Him. He'll be able to do all the work necessary to make you give it up. See, you're just messing it. He just needs to know, are you tired and weary from carrying it? Are you tired of the life that you have? Are you tired of toting what gets to weighing you down? Are you tired of lying, smiling through your teeth, 
thinking somebody don't know what you're doing. And most of the time we do. But we're not going to embarrass you because what we're hoping is that you will do what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary, that are carrying a heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your... What does that look like, Brother Lot? Well, go with me to Hebrews. And I'll show you one more scripture. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every... You have to decide to lay it down. Listen to me in here this morning. You have to decide that I don't want to carry this thing anymore. You have to decide, God, I don't even know if I can get it. I don't need you to perfect. The rich young man was stuck because he wanted to know, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, you can't do anything. You can only give something. That's why Jesus said, go give. your Why? Because that's the thing that's got you, son. And if he was looking at Tim, it would have been something totally different. When he came to me and said, Tim, I want you to surrender and I want you to be a pastor and I want you to serve me and I want... All my mind went back to all those old little houses we lived in and us barely getting by and cutting fruit off of bad fruit and, 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 and the way life was. And I'm like, God, no. I'll just tote it. I'll just tote it myself. I'll just try to live a good life, but I I don't want to give it to you. God said, Tim, until you let me have it, toting it's going to kill you, son. I went off to Birmingham, Alabama, lived in a five-bedroom house, had it, and you would think, Man, you're living every 19-year-old's dream. The guy that I worked, owned a construction company on Sundays, we'd go ride around his convertible MG. People saw us riding by, they would think, now that's the life. They had no idea that that person in the passenger seat was so miserable that I wouldn't even sleep hardly and I wouldn't hardly eat. Tim, is it heavy? Are you weighed down? Then come set it before me, son. Now I'm going to shatter it because you can't have it and me and you're going to have to choose. You can't have that old girlfriend that one that keeps dragging you down and still have me. You can't still keep watching all that vulgar stuff on TV and still have me. You can't have what you used to have. You, got, you can't have two masters. But if you'll lay it down in front of me, Tim... I'll teach you how to carry it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. 
And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. Not you, Him. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross and disregarded its shame. Now He's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the honest hostility He endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Does that make sense now? I run. And if I had got out of my truck tomorrow and I grabbed this right here and said, I got to go run four miles. I think I'm crazy. I'm not going to make it. God said, Tim, you can't run this race carrying this. But I tell you what I'll do. Well, Brother Lot, if I bring it, then I won't, I won't have any problems from now on, right? No. What God does is He looks around and He says, mm, this and this. See, I do run with rocks. When I go to my place where I run, I have several rocks that are set in hidden places. And before I start to run, I go pick them up and I put them in my hands. And when I'm running at four miles, I'm running it just like this. And I make it. Because God said, Tim, as long as you're in this flesh, you're always going to have stuff pulling at you. But when you let me set you free, I pre-weigh everything. And I know what you can handle. And I don't overload your life. And even when the world says, well, are you perfect? No, I still got a few rocks I have to make sure I keep under control. But thank God I don't have to carry that brick anymore. Because that thing was killing me. It was killing me. God loved me enough to say, Tim, crucify that little bit every day and you're all right. But I didn't give you that. I didn't ask you to tote that. That rich young ruler that day could have understood that God wasn't asking him to tote that. That if he could have just trusted Jesus and done what he asked and took it to him and said, I don't know how this is going to work. I'm fixed to be broke. I don't know what... He wouldn't have understood that he would have had more stuff, more blessings. He would have had more dinners paid for, more invitations, more tires that got fixed that he didn't know how it happened. And he'd have just said, God, you've been so good to me. Instead, that day he took that home. And today you got a choice. Either you go home. Light. That's what Jesus said. For my burdens are easy. My yoke is easy. And my burdens are... He said there were no burdens. 
But if Jesus said, Tim, I need you to tote this, got it. Jesus, I need, Tim, I need you to tote that. Don't got it. Jesus, you got to deal with that. I deal with that, Tim. You just follow me. Will you stand? Whoever you are in this room right now, young person, older person, you are not here by accident. And you may not know me. This may be the first time or the second or third time you've ever heard me preach. But don't worry about the messenger. Don't worry that I, I move around or I jump or I'm, I may not do it the way you. But I want you to take just a minute and let those Scriptures that I just read to you from Matthew and those Scriptures from Hebrews, I want them to sink in. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, that's me. If I leave here today, I can tell you I got it. I'm okay. I pick with God sometimes. It's kind of like a catchphrase I have. And, and I'll be doing something and I'll just say, I just need a little help, Lord, just a little help. I don't need a lot of help, Lord, just a little. And I know God looking down on me like, boy. Sometimes I can get overloaded, it seems like. And it's like, I just need a little help, Lord, just a little help. But leaving here today without toting that? Yeah, you're going to leave sorrowful. You may have good stuff. No joy. No peace. Only God gives that. Well, what do I do, Brother Lot? You trade it in. You trade it in. You say, God, here's my problem. Here's my sin. Here's my issue. Here's my anger. Here's what's been holding me back. Here's, here's what I hadn't wanted to let go of. But God, I'm tired of total. This thing is going to end in a tragedy if I don't deal with this. And I can't fix it, but you can. All you that are weary and heavy laden, weighed down, come unto me. Lay it at my feet. I'll make your burdens light. I'll make your burdens light. And I'll fill you with joy and peace for the journey. If you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor, that's me with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you came in today and you're like, I know exactly what he's talking about. And I'm tired of toting this. God sent you today. Not to make you, quote, snap finger perfect. But he's given you the invitation that he gave that man that day when he asked him the question, what do I need to do? He's still giving that answer. 
Lay down what you got and follow me. Lay down what you got and follow me. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I am ready. I am tired of this. I'm tired of toting a weight of my family and tired of toting a weight of my kids. Tired of toting a weight of this situation of of brokenness that I feel inside. I'm tired of toting it. And whatever it is, whatever it is, then have the boldness right now to say, I'm not taking this thing home with me no more. Step out from where you are. If you're here right now, begin to just say to the person, hey, can you let me out? I need to get, I just need to go settle some things with God. Just look at that person beside you and say, look, I need to go pray. There's some things I need to unload. There's some things God needs to take His hammer to. There's some things that are too heavy for me. There's some family issues that I can't do this by myself. There's some, whoever you are right now, don't hesitate. You've been complaining about this all week. You've been telling people, I wish God would all week. And now God says, well, here I am. Is it more honorable to tote it around or is it more honorable to let him smash it to pieces? You're here today. You say, that's me. I'm tired of toting the weight of this. Listen, you don't have to beg God when you come this morning. This is not, you gotta, you gotta be all broken and this is a joyful moment. God says, I do the work. I just need you to make a choice. Today, I'm not going home way down anymore. Today, I'm not going home miserable. Today, I'm not going home hurting. Today, I'm not going home. I'm tired of, of weight carrying this thing, feeling like I've got to live up to something. I'm just surrendering my life to the Almighty. I'm just surrendering my life. And He's made the promise. I promise you in this life, I will bless you. And I promise you in the world to come, your mind can't even comprehend the blessings I have for you. So you're a winner either way. You're a winner either way. If you're one of our prayer people here and if you want to come in behind some of these and just... Just lay your hands on their shoulders. Just let them know that, hey, I'm praying with you. I'm right here supporting you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm right here with you. I'm in agreement right now that God is doing this in your life. I'm in agreement right now. You don't need me to lay it down. You don't, you don't need Pastor Lot to do this. You know what to do. God, you and I know what that weight is that's holding me back. You and I know what that sin is that, that keeps tripping me up. You and I know what needs to be broken. And in the name of Jesus right now, I proclaim by the power of the Almighty that it is broken into pieces. That it no longer has power over you. That the fear of that family situation, what might happen, is not going to hold you anymore. What's going to happen to my kids is not going to hold you anymore. What's going to happen to my marriage is not going to hold you anymore. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and I declare that you are free. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed and you are free.